This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this May 18th edition of Real Talk, it is debate day. That's right. We've been bringing you Alberta's most real election coverage. And today we present another edition of the group chat roundtable. These are real live humans that are in a real group chat. Now, we don't break the rules of the group chat, which is that we don't talk about the comments that happen within that sacred space. But these are individuals with a ton of political experience, a lot of real life perspectives. They call them how they see them. And I know that you're going to enjoy what we have for you over the next hour as we dig into the real election issues, the ones that are going to form the way that people vote coming up on May 29th or advanced ballots before in just a second. Catherine O'Neill, Jenny Adams, Harmon Candola want to let you know that this episode of Real Talk is presented by our friends at Business career college have you ever been looking i mean when you were talking to alberta's financial advisors right now I'm, I'm sure that financial advisors in alberta know that your insurance license is due for renewal at the end of june and you know this you might still need continuing education credits right you're going to want to head over to businesscareercollege.com right now and sign up for the ce drive podcast just $200 gets you an annual subscription that provides you with all the continuing education credits, quite frankly, that you could ever need. Every episode is packed with information that you can use in your business. If you're a financial advisor in Alberta, well ahead of license renewal deadline at the end of June, make sure that you check out businesscareercollege.com. All right, I'm going to introduce these three, and then I'm just going to get out of the way. Catherine O'Neill is the CEO of the YWCA Edmonton. She is the former uh, president of the PC Party of Alberta. KO has been a longtime journalist with the Globe and Mail and has been a candidate, a political candidate before in 2015 for the PCs. Harmon Candola is a lawyer in the city of Edmonton. He's involved in a ton of different agencies, including the World Sick Organization. He also has been a political candidate in past for the Progressive Conservatives in 2015. Jenny Adams is principal at the Adams Agency. She's a strategist. She helps people get out of jams and find themselves into successful positions. Jenny has also worked on probably more campaigns than we can count at the provincial, well, municipal, provincial, and federal levels. Uh, this might actually be the first election that you're not working on a campaign. Is that right? Exactly. It's my very first time, which is kind of nice. And it, I, I will note, I've volunteered on every single one of those campaigns, except for one paid me a couple bucks, but it's always been volunteer. Why is that important to note? I don't know. Well, first of all, when I was Catherine's campaign manager, she didn't realize you could pay campaign managers. And I took four months of off, off of work. I took out a loan to pay my bills and we had extra money that we donated it. Like it's still a, you owe me. She knows she's owed. Wow. I paid um, you back. In yeah, exactly. In, in entertainment. Right in entertainment. No, I think it's, I mean, I think everybody should volunteer for a campaign because then you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart and because you're really interested in what's happening and changing society and all those sorts of things. So plus campaigns don't have a lot of money spend it on where you need to spend it they're expensive to run okay we're going to talk about campaigns we're going to talk about some of the flare-ups we're going to talk about some of the headlines and, and some of the the bozo eruptions we're going to get into it all but it is debate day tonight it's it's uh quite a unique circumstance there's a lot of firsts that are mm -hmm. happening with this debate ndp leader rachel notley uh toe-to-toe -to -toe, ucp leader Danielle Smith. K.O., you've got kind of an inside perspective on this in your role as CEO at YWCA. Yeah, I, from a gender equity perspective, I don't think we can overstate how significant uh, nationally this event is tonight. This will be the first time in provincial and national history that we have only two women on this debate stage. Um, that's really important uh, for so many reasons. Uh, for little girls, little boys watching this, they, they're looking and seeing two women going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. It's also incredibly historic because we've never in Alberta history had a former premier come back and try to uh, regain their, their, their premiership. So having Rachel Notley, two people who have both done this before as well, never happened in political Alberta history. So lots of firsts. Uh, it's exciting to watch something like this because both of these women are very skilled public speakers, skilled debaters, and we're in for a show tonight. What are you looking for tonight, Harmon? What's, what's something that you're going to be keeping an eye on? 
Well, I, I, I remember 2015 and watching the leaders debate as a candidate thinking, oh, Prentice did a great job. Yeah, that was not the case. <laughs> uh, people definitely felt differently. And it's going to be interesting to see where, in, you know, what talking points they're using. Um, how do they shift the tone? And, you know, you saw with uh, Daniel Smith and UCP this week, they really wanted to kind of change the narrative on this campaign. Uh, they're, they're looking for a reset. And, you know, how, how do they do that this evening? And how does Notley seem a bit more compelling and a little bit more interesting? Frankly, um, I think it's been a bit disappointing from um, the, the NDE's strategy in terms of how they want to make a pitch and a narrative to Albertans um, beyond, you know, kind of some of the attack stuff that we've been seeing. It's a lot of mud and not a lot of hope. Like, I, it's been a lot of mudslinging, which their oppo has been great, but I haven't heard much on the other side. I, uh, I, we've, we've kind of been, uh, struggling is a very dramatic word to use, but we, we've been wrestling with the reality in producing a talk show leading up to an election that there hasn't been a lot of public conversation. There really hasn't been a lot of coverage of platforms and like what the province of Alberta might look like if Danielle Smith is premier or if Rachel Notley is premier. It's, it's been uh, a lot of, like you said, mudslinging, a lot of damage control, mostly by the UCP. And, and I, I'm that for that reason, I'm not sure what to expect tonight. I know that there's going to be a couple big bombs that Rachel Notley is going to be. I mean, she's got the pin pulled on the grenade. She's got it in her hand ready to, to lob over at Daniel Smith. And we'll talk about Jennifer Johnson, the Lacombanoka candidate, in just a second. But, but Jenny, if you're preparing, why don't, we, why don't we try this exercise from, from both angles? If you're preparing Daniel Smith or if you're prepping Rachel Notley for this debate tonight, how do you approach it? Well, I feel like the NDs are just letting the UCP hang themselves. Sorry for a terrible phrase to use. But um, the thing about Danielle Smith, I always used to say, sorry, Ryan, the only person that could ever take Jason Kenney on toe-to-toe would be Ryan Jesperson. That's who would be able to beat a Jason Kenney. And then enter Danielle Smith. I'm like, oh, no, Danielle Smith could also, like, there's only a few of you who can really debate the way that someone who knows the issues like you do. So Danielle Smith is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Rachel Notley. She's a pro at being able to dance around issues. She's a pro at being able to deflect, but also she believes what she says. She's not having to fake things or come up with an answer. She believes the thing they, that she says, which always surprises people who talk to me. They're like, why would she say that? I'm like, because she believes it. And that's what I think is, is going to be her strong suit tonight. Whether you agree with what she says or don't, there's a whole swack of people that agree with her. And Rachel Notley is, is I would say, just let Danielle do her thing and keep it really to the to the horrible Nazi, things that have been said. Poppy, poopy, oh my cookie. god! Like there's, it's you only so have to scary. say a few keywords, and we all kind of shorthand. No, I will disagree. I don't think everyone is paying attention, Catherine. But even if you brought it up there, and it's your first time hearing it, it's going who to be devastating. Uh, who but watches it's, a debate? Who watches it? They clip it out after, true, so true, it's true. sound bites. It's yep. those sound bites, and I think the battle for the soundbite tonight will be epic. And that's why those key words, you say them once, it's caught there and the person's like having to respond to in real time. That's difficult. I don't even know how you prepare for something like that. We've both done media training and, and crisis comms. That's this. That's difficult to be on a stage with a live camera rolling and having to respond to those. I don't know. I think you're like Trump where you just, you know, he's, and I'm not saying Daniel Smith or anyone is lying, but Trump is just saying the things he believes and we are like, that's not true. And he just carries on and hammers on those points. And eventually, Eventually, everyone starts to believe them. The media starts saying the same thing. Like, I would just be hammering on those same points and just well, ignoring what's happening. It's interesting that you to bring get up through Trump, it. I, I feel like you know, and a lot of conversation about you know some of the narratives and some of the stories that have come out just during this election. But if you look at Trump, he never attacked the majority, right? He attacked minority populations. He attacked the minority of the of the of the electorate. Whereas, you know, Daniel Smith's comment about vaccines and vaccination, she's attacking the majority of people out there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Trump never talked about dismantling uh, the, the social safety net the same way that you have these conversations now about privatizing healthcare, right? So it's amazing to see that, you know, he actually had a very, you know, if you look in hindsight, a, a strategy on how he was going to leverage and create these wedges. Whereas I don't see how effective the wedges that either the UCP is using right now is going to help them drive people to support them. I, I, I'm failing to see what the strategy looks like. You know, last election, you look back at Jason Kenney, like it was, you know, like there was a clear, very easy message to understand the blue truck, you know, Alberta, you know, free and strong, whatever pipelines, jobs, pipelines, economy. jobs, Those economy, guarantees, the grassroots guarantee, the grassroots guarantees. <laughs> 
I, I don't get that from either of these two campaigns right now. I, and so it's very hard for me as a voter to really discern what my choices look like and what is the compelling narrative that they're trying to pitch on pitch to me. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the interesting things that they're arguing about is which tax cut will be more effective. And, and that's uh, a race that I, that I think most people can get on board with. That's a debate most people would like to have is, is it a cut to the small business tax or is it preserving the corporate tax or is it a promise not to raise personal income taxes? Those are some of the things that will resonate with people that are looking to keep more money in their pocket. The question is, and I was talking to a pal about this yesterday. He says, I don't know that a lot of people in my circle and I don't know if I'll, I don't think I'll name him because I don't that that might cast shade on his friends. But he goes, I don't know if they care about all the social stuff. I at least appreciated his honesty. He said, honestly, they care about the the political party's approach to the amount of tax that he's going to be paying. He said, that's my average friend. I wonder how much that represents the bigger population in Alberta. Well, I think especially in this really expensive time in life, you're thinking about the things you need. You need your house. You need your food. You need your job. And then all the social stuff. If it doesn't impact you, I'm not saying it's right, but if if it doesn't impact you, it's not something that you're necessarily paying attention to. I have a friend, a number of friends in Calgary, obviously, and I was having a conversation last week with one of them. And I said, how, how do you feel about the arena announcement? Like, is that swaying people you know's votes? She's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, the fact that Danielle Smith announced the arena and then she said she'll figure it out after the election. She's like, oh, are they the two tied to the election? And this is a smart yeah. woman, yeah, yeah. okay? This is a professional woman who just didn't realize because she's not that politically engaged that her vote was being bought. She didn't realize the two. So I always think like we are hyper engaged. Then there's a level of people who care. And then there's people who just don't care. They just don't want their life to get more expensive or more difficult. True, but this is about motivating people to actually yep. vote. And this is where I think I'm very worried we're going to see an historically low turnout. I think people are not motivated really to get out and vote. If you're just not paying attention like folks were talking about or just doing your, you know, taking the kiss of soccer, et cetera, et cetera. This is not an election where you feel truly motivated either way to get out and vote. And I think then it comes down to get out the vote strategies by teams. We've all worked on campaigns. We all know how critical those strategies are and you need motivated volunteers to get that done so getting your vote out to actually win your seat so that's why in such a close election tonight's debate is important because you might demotivate a lot more people who were like i was gonna vote now i just don't even want to go or on the flip they're like okay i've seen something i like i'm gonna go out and vote and, and that's, it's the motivation stuff right now because I, the wildfires, there's been so much happening. We, we had the Oilers run. So much has happened. The election is just not top of mind for most folks. We're hyper-engaged, but most people aren't. And, and there isn't a lot in the window where people are like, oh, I'm so excited. I want to go out and vote. Well, and it's interesting. Sorry, Harmon, did I interrupt you? In the Vote Compass, is that CBC that puts it on? I think I, you did it. I did it. And there's a lot of places that the NDP and the UCP are the same on mm -hmm. similar issues, right? So it's like, obviously, the, the NDs are trying to be as kind of centrist as, as possible, but it's really hard to discern the two. You know, Notley's not talking about her environmental stuff as much, obviously. Like, it's it's really kind of tricky. And you're right, there's not a lot of media right now to report on things. As someone who works with media all the time, I'm like, is there anyone that can help? And everyone's like, we are so stretched right now, which you've got one or two reporters trying to cover basically everything the campaign. That, well, and Twitter is a like gong show too. Jenny, that yeah. is the greatest point. I arrived in Alberta in 2004 to cover Klein's last election. And I, when you'd go to any sort of a media event, there would be, I traveled to Grand Prairie and all this, the communities, you don't even have people following the tour anymore. So there's no coverage and the coverage you have is either tweets or very small, like little social media clips. So it's not what it was and it's not, it's not in depth. Let's get to uh, the live chat here on YouTube. Tanya says platforms are hard to focus on when the fundamentals of a, a particular party, in this case, Tanya says the UCP are so abhorrent. Uh, if these MLAs are so far off on values, how could they possibly form a normal, good government? Uh, Tanya's right. I mean, uh, someone can care about the economy foremost in an election, and that's perfectly fine. It's totally cool if your number one priority in an election is the economy. But an election is also the selection of leadership, right? And we want to know who's going to be representing us. And what message do we send by who we elect to government? You can guarantee that you will hear the name Jennifer Johnson tonight. Rachel Notley's going to invoke it as soon as possible or at the right moment, maybe, let me say. This is the candidate out of Lacombe, Pinoca, who made abhorrent comments. She 
apologized yesterday in a scripted apology that I guarantee she didn't write for comments that were made on September 1st of last year, 2022, at a meeting of the Western Unity Group. She was presenting on, quote, the hazards of the public education system and homeschooling as a solution. And here's part of what she said. Yeah. Enjoy. I only put a teaspoon of poop in them, but it doesn't yeah. matter because it's only a teaspoon in the whole batch. So you pick which one is good. Yeah. yeah. And they, they obviously put the cookie. This is not a true story. <laughs> so the like, idea is we can be yeah. top 3%, but that little yeah. bit of poop is what wrecks it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? And it is when we've got furries in the classroom. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. These kids who are identifying as cats, and the teacher puts a litter box in the classroom for them. And girls saying, I'm not a boy anymore when they're seven years old and transitioning at 14 years old and getting mastectomy, double mastectomies and getting chemically sterilized when they can't even go to a liquor store and buy a beer. And yet we're allowing them to be chemically castrated and sterilized. This is more than a teaspoon of poop in the cookie batch, right? And so it doesn't matter to me. It does not matter that we're in the top 3% of the world. Who cares if they got an 89 on chemistry 30. Who cares that they're entering post-secondary if they're chemically castrated and by the age of 18, 90% of these kids who were gender dis, uh, yeah, who were struggling with this have real, have grown through it. They got over it just like I did when I was six and I had three brothers and ripped my shirt off on the farm and my mom said, put that back on. And at six, I didn't look any different than my brothers and I was, I pouted for a little while. I was really mad at my mom. And then I realized I should probably put my shirt back on because I said, well, I don't want to be a boy or I don't want to be a girl. I want to be a boy like my brothers. Well, you're not now get your shirt on and go and play. That was the end of it. And I went, okay. So I went and played and I, I'm pretty glad I did. So now we say, if that one today, my mom would have been forced to say, oh, are you struggling with your gender, honey? She would be put in jail for saying, get that shirt back on and get out there and play. Yeah, so they all laugh. I mean, obviously, the candidate has a very naive understanding, a very elementary understanding of, of gender identity, but that's not the point. She is literally calling some students, uh, in particular transgender students, uh, pieces of shit. She is literally comparing them to pieces of shit. Now, there's calls from members of the public as well as the NDP for Daniel Smith to make a statement. It's too late to take Jennifer Johnson off the ballot. But for Daniel Smith to make a statement that she would not sit in UCP caucus, but this is a close race and every seat could matter. And I'm going to go ahead and wager a guess that Daniel Smith's not going to do that. And she's not going to make that commitment. K.O., you look like you're about to puke. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, that is revolting. And, you know, at the YW, we work with so many trans clients and um, I for it's just revolting that that is someone who's put themselves on a ballot to lead us. Um, And um, I know that the apology has been issued, but I think definitely the calls for uh, Daniel Smith to take stronger action are are warranted. that's that is very dangerous language and for marginalized communities that kind of hate spurs on more hate and that is not an alberta i want to live in it's not canadian it's not albertan it's awful and listening to that is so heartbreaking but i'm going to i am not defending in any way whatsoever and i want to give that caveat but i want to just give some context you take a look at her apology it's not an apology See, she said she's going to learn how to communicate better, that she needs to con- communicate her concerns better. I'm taking this program at the Kennedy School down in the States, and one of our assignments was was to listen to the opposite side of media to understand where people's perceptions are coming from. So I paid attention to Fox News for three days straight. This is straight out of Fox News. Totally. This is totally. I'm, what, and so there is an audience for what is being said. Fox News has the top 10 shows in the United States. This is not something we, this is appalling to us, but there are people clearly by her apology in this province who are listening to that and thinking, yeah, I can resonate that with that. Even if you go on Fox News on the main page, it talks about how they're the big war on Disney and how they're trying to transition four-year-olds with all this gender identity and politics. And it's 
awful to read and awful to understand that there are people out there who this is all they know and this is how they consume their news media totally and this is what they've been that, taught. It's totally awful. It's, it's, it's we all know awful. where it's come from, but as Albertans, we all have to draw a line where... When I'm not arguing with you. Yeah, on this, exactly. So don't pin yeah. that on me. No, I'm no, trying to explain no. like, how exactly. people. What's the backstory learn. here? And I get it. And people are afraid. And they are. It's our you know, job to change and, it. And we're, it's our job to change it. But we also, this is a person who's put their name on a ballot. And it speaks to the fact where was the vetting? Where was the party's vetting for candidates? Uh, if the, do these, are these the values? The, the, so the party really has to react to this in a way that, um, that really convinces the public that yes this is definitely not our values this is definitely not what we want and that we we failed when we vetted this candidate and this candidate should not be with us okay so this is why i want to go back to 2016 when you were the leader of the pc party at the time when jason kenny was trying to take over and bring the two parties together i know you have ptsd over it (laughs) but we can all remember because we were involved in a certain way and how hard you fought and how hard people fought not to bring the two parties together not to bring the extreme right into the fold because even as we saw with kenny trying to keep the extreme right happy as we have take back alberta they're a strong movement of people who are trying to make inroads. And so we have this trying to appease to both sides of the the right, whereas maybe I identify as like very center right, but I can't understand any of this stuff. And so we all tried to fight the good fight to not have conversations like this. And this is what we're having to appease to. And I don't know how you get out of it. Yeah. And I remember during that period of time, um, I think it was 2016 when we had a policy conference and there was a a resolution dealing with uh, GSAs. GSAs. And watching grown men, um, you know, mock and belittle a, a, a young woman who was sharing the story of a friend of hers who um, had to, you know, needed the needed the GSA to help her and support her, and and this young woman was crying, she was emotional, um, and these grown men were were uh, catcalling her, they were um, verbally abusive, you know, and I remember at the back of the room. Um, yeah, th- there was a, a former MLA, and she was there in support of the GSAs, and um, you know they were they were using um, you know derogatory terms towards her. And I remember walking out of that room and getting in my car and, and driving away, and never coming back. Um, it was frankly embarrassing to be associated with uh, that type of behavior. And you know, I think we all understand that there's certain views that are held by people in dark corners of, of, of uh, society and giving the, those dark corners light to, to have platforms um, is extremely problematic. You know, right now you have, you know, what's one of the, during the whole for, uh, forest fires, I mean, people spreading theories about eco-terrorism, right? Um, saying that this is uh, eco-terrorists trying to create the narrative for climate change. I mean, that's a very popular theory in, in small corners in this province. Uh, you know, in, in you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some candidate from the UCP end up uh, endorsing endorsing this view because every time we think about obscure dark corners, there's a candidate out there to represent that, right? And that's what and that's, that's a our troubling job part. Not to let this be mainstreamed. It's Albertans to say this is not the Alberta, and to come together no matter what your political stripe is. Okay, but we are I fighting I, against a massive beast. And Ryan, you and I were talking about this last week, of like, sorry to go nerd here, but algorithms. The more you interact with something, the more you like it, the more you share it, the more you see it. Yes. People have their own news channels. They think that what they think, we think that what we think is what everybody thinks because our phones, our computers, our media is showing us the same thing over. I think I'm an amazing dresser because all I see on my algorithm is what I wear every day, right? So when you wonder how this fake news gets spread, a thousand times faster than real news. It's us that's doing it to ourselves. And until that cycle breaks, I don't know how you get through to people and show them but, factual things. But look at the things. consequences. I mean, you know, when you break down demographically where people are right now in polling, like racialized minorities are like 65% NDP, you know, and there, I, you know, you would see some online uh, conversation on Twitter by UCPers saying, oh, well, you know, Daniel Smith's not a racist. How could this be that all these minorities are supporting the NDP? Well, it's because, I mean, when you uncover, and again, there's some great candidates running for the UCP, people that I know who I'm friends with who are phenomenal candidates. You know, Amanpreet Singh down in Calgary, McCall yeah. Puller is a phenomenal candidate. Um, but, you know, for community, when you see people who have hate, Hate is hate. Hate is hate. And, you know, you react to that. I mean, they don't they don't have to say it out loud. But now 
we have an election where it is all out loud. In 2012, Albertans punished Daniel Smith for not taking a stand. We're here a decade later. I'm shocked that, you know, we've literally gone backwards. But so much has changed in this province, economically, demographically, you know, fine. Calgary cares about oil and gas. Calgary cares about the economy. And they hope other conservatives hold, hold Daniel Smith accountable. Okay, but... I mean, that's not happened in the past. And how do we expect that to happen in the future? Um, and how do you keep looking past some of this stuff? Okay, we're going to talk about Take Back Alberta and other angles in just a second. But I'll tell you what, this show doesn't happen without amazing sponsors like our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. I want to let you know, number one right now, they're heading into their busiest season. Spring is installs. And of course, that runs all the way through summer. And so they're hiring right now. If you're an apprentice or if you're a journeyman, if you're looking for work in Alberta, in uh, B.C., in Northwest Territories, Kubi's installing across Western Canada. You can check out the careers link on their website, kubienergy.ca, to learn more. They're also really proud to be partnering with Women Building Futures. It's a program specifically offering support for underemployed or unemployed women in connecting to careers that pay well above a living wage. You can check them out online and check out their Instagram as well. You'll find Kubi at kubienergy.ca. Is your summer maybe looking uh, like a time where you improve the look of your garage? You know exactly what I'm talking about right now. you got shovels and rakes and hockey sticks, and I I'm just describing my garage right now. It's just a total mess. There's nowhere for the vehicles to go, let alone a place that you can hang out at. Everybody knows that California Closets provides custom closets and storage solutions for the entire home. They're into garages right now, and it is a big deal. The work that they're doing on storage cabinets and workbenches, custom designed to exactly what you need for a perfect solution. The garage is the workhorse of the home. Why not make it work for you? You can get your free consultation today by visiting californiaclosets.ca. Very cool to hear from our friends at Apex Automation. Just yesterday, they made the announcement. You know, we've been telling you, of course, they're always hiring. They have it up on their website. It's not like this week they are, next week they're not. They are always hiring. The company is growing so quickly that they're looking for electrical engineers, technicians, I mean, people across the spectrum. But this is the big news of the week. Some of Kubi, or rather Apex Automation staff, those two work together, by the way. Apex Automation staff, they said to them, they wanted to pursue family stuff downstate side. And so you know what Apex is doing to make that happen? Well, they dug up some business in Texas and now they're opening their field office in Houston based on what their team members told them they wanted for professional and personal development. This is a company that puts people over profits. You can check out more what it looks like, what the corporate culture is to work at Apex Automation by visiting them online today at apexautomation.ca. And if your May long weekend is going to include some time around the barbecue, it is barbecue season. Today's a big day at the Friesen Brothers, specifically in Edmonton, Fort Saskatchewan and Stony Plain. It's a one-day sale today only on chicken and ribs perfect for the may long weekend you can find out more including on their custom friesen brothers barbecue sauce i've tried all the flavors they will blow your mind the deal is today only at friesen.com you know we talk about how the conservative option in alberta drastically changed when jason kenny brought those two parties together and now you probably have and correct me if i'm wrong i mean i've got two former conservative candidates here got the former president of the pc party and can i say someone that's been i, I know you probably wouldn't want to be are you a conservative strategist or you've been a strategist for conservative candidates jenny right i, I, I mean I don't know. I've been like a door knocker and a flyer dropper. I wouldn't say there was any strategy when I helped Catherine because we had no idea yes, what we were we doing. Were but you right. worked on successful federal <laughs> campaigns for sitting conservative MPs right now. The point is, this is not an NDP hit squad that we have gathered here this morning. What do you make of David Parker and the Take Back Alberta influence on the United Conservative Party? This is a guy who makes no bones about his feelings about a woman's role in the home. Uh, he, he's against abortion. He believes that women should be staying home and having babies. He's said as much we've played the audio on the show you got a leader of the party that's talking about how she makes no bones about the fact that she didn't support vaccine mandates she talks about her stubbornness why she wasn't going to wear a poppy we have people talking about poop and cookies we got a candidate out of calgary fish creek that says basically black albertans don't want to work that's a story that's exploding over wow. the last 24 hours i don't know how people are supposed to wrap their minds around the direction the party's going in right now and where a moderate conservative is supposed to vote 
Exactly. And I think two things. One, uh, in her leadership race, Daniel Smith was able to control the narrative the entire time she controlled it. This time, if you're in the party war room, you have had no good days. You've been reacting the entire time. So that's very difficult for someone who's used to kind of going out and controlling this. The party has had no chance. It's been reacting, and rightfully so, to some very horrific things. I think what's going to happen on May 29th, though, is we're going to have more confusion because we're going to get to, I think it's going to be super close. And if if the conservatives lose, then the party is going to, like, it's going to be political chaos with her leadership. Either way, even win or lose, if, if she doesn't blow it out. And then on the NDP side, if they win... We're going to be back to 2015 where folks are saying this isn't legitimate. All of the stuff you talked about, Jenny, where people, they're in their own bubbles saying many different conspiracy theories of what's happened here. And that really troubles me because we're at such a critical time in our province's history. We need great leadership. We need strong leadership. We need a bit of stability. I think Ralph Klein was premier for 14 years. We haven't had a premier last longer than four years since since Klein left that's that's not good for a province that's trying to lead lead the charge and for modern conservatives they're just looking at this and I think they're completely demotivated there's nothing no matter what you're looking at you're not motivated well I remember you know post 2015 we had an engagement committee it went town by town, rural place, urban, to listen to conservatives, listen to members of, of the PC party to understand where did the party go wrong. And I will, will always be struck um, during one of these sessions, we were up in Athabasca, Athabasca. Yeah. you know, we stop, get gas. Um, you know, I asked somebody up there, hey, you know, what's a good place to, to get a vegetarian meal? And they're like, oh, well, there's rabbit. And I'm like, I, I'm a vegetarian. They're like, well, rabbits eat carrots. So th- that's vegetarian enough. I'm like, okay. You know, sh- shock, this is where I am. Um, but we go into this room and one of the comments that was made was, you know, when it came to uniting the right and the conversation around that, there was always, yes, this reality around trying to win an election. But one of the individuals stood up and said, we know who these people are. Do we really want them in our party? Because if they're in control, they'll have us operating on patients in barnyards and teaching our kids under you know, uh, trees. I remember. Oh my gosh. You're taking me back. I remember that vividly. And I remember that comment thinking, and it reaffirmed my faith in Albertans, Mm -hmm. right? They understood that, you know, that there's the segment of of the population that's part of the, 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 the conservative movement that they don't trust. And when you see this election, and that is the the brain trust, that is the people who are leading the charge, that is what's leading to that soft UCP voter who's now looking back into my own office, and I can share this. You know, we've got uh, a fellow, Jack Hotman. He's 78 years old. Uh, I might be aging him a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, Jack, he's been a card-carrying conservative for over 50 years. He brought in a card for me, his conservative party membership. He was older than I was, right? And he, and he, and he left it to me, he wanted to show it to me. Like this, he, this man has been a conservative forever, for his entire life. And he's looking at voting for the NDP this election. And ev- he says, every time Danielle Smith shows up on the TV, you know, his wife cringes because she cannot stand her. Um, and that is the place where so many people are today. And yet we're still in a close election. Mm-hmm. We're still, I mean, the UCP and conservatives being at a high point, you know, having oil prices where they are, um, this should be a cakewalk. But I mean, at what point does this really affect those soft UCPers? And I think that is really what's what what's at stake. Some great candidates for the party. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I know some are some good friends of mine. But at some point, the narrative becomes so overwhelming. And today's debate is going to define what this looks like over the next two weeks. Yeah, yeah, if talk, anyone's paying attention and when you, watching. Just quickly, when you talk about the brain trust, it appears that this is the brain trust, right? That's why the party has to step in and say, no, we're in charge. And I, I just, you're like, who is in charge of the party right now? When, but who when, is the party? That, like, what's the I'm identity like, yeah. of they, the party? She believes what she says. Like, but as far as I'm concerned, up. they're pandering. Like, she's... There, she's not saying anything about what happened. So it's if she wants to grab control, it's that's the time. Tonight would be the time. Can we just actually point out the fact that 
why why can't the Alberta party succeed? I don't, like, I don't know. I know yeah, we don't no. want to. I know we've all tried. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, there's people listening who feel very apathetic and maybe they don't know what getting out the vote means and they don't know how to be involved. And I, I always say to people like, you know, those of us who care a little bit about money and a little bit about people aren't motivated enough to bring 200 people on a bus to show up in Red Deer and vote on this, a terrible thing that's happening at AGMs. Like we're just not motivated yeah. to make change enough. And the only way to do it is literally to volunteer for your candidate pick up the phone get people you know to actually show up to vote find five people and force them to come with you that's the only way to make change is actually to have people show up it's hard work in politics it's why we all volunteer but otherwise we're just going to sit here and have this exact conversation every single election and i want to mention take buck alberta because i had you know an opportunity to kind of face and confront you know what this looks like i i was uh, helping uh, a friend of mine in a, in a nomination um down in 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 kind of a suburban um suburban riding here in, in edmonton uh where take back alberta was involved and frankly you know it was my, my friend racialized minority um was able to really motivate and sign up a lot of people from his community and people that he knew who lived in that area they they had roots there they'd been there he himself was was the candidate who had the the strongest and oldest roots in that in that space involved with the chamber involved with um coaching kids soccer and the candidate who wins had run in a, an election for the wild Rose in 2012 down in calgary this was a this was a complete transplant and yet take back alberta used that moment you know when you had you know kind of a a, 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 a riding that traditionally would not be heavily kind of uh, Caucasian but they use this moment to fear monger that there were outsiders trying to rig this nomination why it was absolute dog whistle to people to say look at these brown people who are showing up they're trying to take over your 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 nomination and it was disgusting it was absolutely disgusting and i remember actually confronting because the campaign the campaigners and the the people that they brought in were all from outside of the riding mm-hmm. outside of uh, of the region you know they're the outsiders Fit and i think it's, it's time politics. that we have to but again, what I'm trying to say is that, that it's, it's dis- hate and it's, it's, it's racist. Hate. No, I know it's That's hate and racism. And, and nobody wants to call it out. I want to point to the I want to call it though. out because at the end of the day, Take Back Alberta needs to know that people know what they're doing. And even in the conservative movement, there should not be room for that type of yes. hate. Yes, yeah. a thousand percent. What I wanted to point out was the process. Do you remember when Kenny was taking over the PC party? They didn't show up with 300 people. They would have... I remember it was like they had 20 people and the PC party had maybe 11. Like taking over the party is it's all about people and numbers. And that's how we have to make the change. When I said it's politics, it's like, yes, we have to know that this is going to happen and show up with people. We need people to show up to fight racism, to fight. No, and, and look, we took them basics. to a fifth ballot uh, in a riding, you know, on, on a month's notice. Like it's still a shame that 30 people can beat 20 and that's yeah, it. And then the whole thing is controlled by yes. people that do not have the values it's a of, system. of the majority. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I, I think back in the day, Johnny, can you load up that tweet for me from, from Rob Anderson? I want to show you this. Like back in the day, when you talk about the party, the party was power, like the, the United Conservatives or the progressive conservatives before that or what have you. It's like things wouldn't fly. Jason Kenney, for, for all of his warts, still had some common sense, still had a lot of common sense around a lot of things. I mean, you look at Jason Kenney, he didn't throw caution to the wind during the pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. He 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 found himself trying to sort of ride two bicycles at the same time to try to keep everybody happy. But he did pay some attention and pay some respect to the science. Daniel Smith is on the record as saying, like, she doesn't support lockdown measures. That gives you a sense. I mean, what about this? Just the other day, as far as I can tell, I think this tweet has been deleted. But but this is Daniel Smith's top advisor. OK, this is former Wild Rose Emily Rob Anderson going to bat. And I don't even like mentioning this little twerp's name, Kean Bexty. I mean, this guy. Honestly, my anyway, I have strong feelings about this kid, uh, him and his independent media outlet. This guy is, is Ezra Levant's protege. I mean, he's a real twerp, and that's the nicest way I can put it. He faked an arrest. He was a, a shop owner down in Calgary, uh, requested that he leave her store during a political event. Bexty puts his hands behind his back to make it look like he's handcuffed so he can go to senior citizens in Alberta and try to get their pension dollars to fund his legal... I mean, like, this guy is straight from the Ezra Levant University, right? And so he's he's putting this out to the public. He's trying to crowdfund his legal defense. And who jumps to his defense? 
the premier's top advisor, Rob Anderson, who says this is insane. He compares Kian Bexty to Jason Markusoff, which I don't even want to go there. But I mean, you would never have, you would never have, and I, I don't think this is just for the political nerds and geeks like us. I think this is everybody that would agree. You would never have a premier's top advisor going to bat for a far right fringe wingnut commentator like you do right now unapologetically and it says a lot to me right now about the state of the party and that really makes me nervous because when you are talking about the three of you and you're exactly right about 30 people beating 20 people in a room and then that gives people just two options on a ballot well then that's really dangerous and i don't know that the general public truly understands the state of the party right now True. And this is a province, we have to remember, too, that for 40 plus years, we had one basically uh, party that ran the, the PCs. So we ha we're not a province used to competitive elections. We're not the political organizing is not it's not that it's new here, but it's not mainstream like it is. I come from Ontario and I covered Queen's Park. I, I, when I covered the very first election here, I, I felt like I had landed on another planet because it was 2004 and Klein basically told people off and still got a massive majority. It didn't make any sense. So we we have a political history where folks, political organizing is new. People aren't used to competitive elections, the cut and thrust of having a close race. Like these polls being so close, Albertans aren't used to this. This is really new new territory for them, for our generation. So it's troubling. And I think we're, we're coming to terms with it. And we're learning about, you know, I think the average person, maybe after this election, they'll say, okay, how can I get involved? What to Jenny said, should I volunteer? Should I donate money? What should I do to help? But I don't see that happening. Because unfortunately, when you have a, a media that's not really there anymore, people are in their bubbles. Uh, you have politicians that are willing to do the things that we're seeing in this province and having no shame about it. The Rob Anderson uh, tweet is very concerning. That That is, so you, in another province, like I just kind of wonder what, what people are thinking about us nationally right now because, you know, as a former Globe reporter, to watch this and say, this is Alberta? Like, what are you folks Texas. doing? Yeah, yeah. Like, I get it if Rob Anderson is still like, sitting in opposition with yeah. the wild rose yeah. and they've got 12 MLAs and he, and he's going to jump to the defense of, of someone like Bextie because he knows it'll play well in rural Alberta with people that believe that to be news coverage. But like, this is the, and she's not the premier right now they're on the campaign trail, but like, this is the leader of the UCP. You know, she could be premier very well uh, on May 30th. And this is her top advisor jumping to the defense yeah. of, 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 of like a, a really despicable person. And I, I didn't, I don't know. I look at it. I'm concerned about the state of the province. And I know a lot of people are going to say, because people say it to my face, like, yes, some, I got an underhanded compliment yesterday from somebody who said uh, a conservative, an ardent conservative who said, Jesperson, I actually really did enjoy your woke coverage of Alberta's environmental liabilities. If you missed our show yesterday on Alberta's $300 billion nightmare on oil and gas, you should watch it. But I know that there's a lot of people right now that are looking at what Alberta could look like. And, and, and so they look at a show like this and then they they say, well, I haven't heard you. Um, and people say this to my face and they say it in emails and they say it on Twitter and it's fine. I welcome the criticism. I welcome the accountability. But they'll say, where are all your attacks on the NDP? Where are all your coverage on their candidates, bozo or options? When's the last time that you did an entire show talking about all the dumb shit that Rachel Notley said? When are you going to dig up all the video of the NDP candidates saying all this stuff about this, that and the other? And it's like, I'm not willfully excluding any of that. The fact of the matter is, whether it's I don't know. Is the, is the NDP machine better at vetting its candidates? Is it? I, I don't know what it is. I'd love for you three to try to sort it out here. But but they're right. There has been a disproportionate amount of conversation about UCP candidates, bozo eruptions this election. But that's just the way. Pardon the expression that the cookie's crumbling. That's just the way I know. And I I, I didn't mean that to go as deep as it just did. But and I'm not making light of that. But that's just the way that it is right now. Uh, Kevin Van Tegum, maybe, who I actually personally like quite a bit, former superintendent of Banff National Park. Uh, people, they, they dug up his old essays where he talks about Albertan stereotypes as, you know, the, the sort of the ball cap, chewing tobacco, spitting truck driving hillbillies and rednecks, which I know, to be honest, a lot of you rednecks out there, be honest. I've camped with you a lot. I've hung out with you a lot. You don't consider that to be a slur. Your own bumper stickers say it. So don't pretend like you're offended right now. 
Van Tegum's comments about energy, energy industry as slavery are tough to reconcile. And he did issue an apology for that. I don't know if that was forced upon him. I suspect it may have been because I think he probably still does feel that way. As Charles Adler said on Monday on this show, though, Van Tegum, number one, is not running to be premier. He's running to be an MLA. But that's one example. That's one example. That's not to say that every other NDP candidate is pristine or crystal clear or has a, a sparkling record. I don't know. But there's been a real disparity in the storylines this entire thing. Well, I can say uh, I'm part of the downtown recovery coalition that we have here in Edmonton. We hosted, you know, both sides of the political party. But when the NDP were there, uh, Sarah Hoffman was there and Janice Irwin and David Shepard and Darren Billis and Racky was there. And that's the first time I had met any of them. Yeah. And they left and, I, and Sarah Hoffman's like, you should come door knock for me. And I was like, I love door knocking. And I just kind of got wrapped up. I know. Harmon's like, what? And then I was like, what? <laughs> I think you'd I lose half myself? your business. <laughs> no, but... um. I got wrapped up in their energy and their enthusiasm and who they were and all this stuff. And I'm like, I just can't find that in the UCP, even though I'm, you know, center right. I cannot see myself in the UCP. I felt like we could in the PC party with, you know, the Heather Klimchucks and the Doug Horners and the Dave Hancocks and some people that you could really relate to. And I know that there are tons of people like me who are just sitting on the center right side saying, I mean, I, I'm going to pick people over money. Like, well, you know, and there, there's some good candidates for the UCP. You know, no, there is. We've I'm got Amarpreet Singh down in Calgary. Oh, uh, okay. Great, great candidate. Uh, Rajiv Bot here, Edmonton Ellerslie. What about Richard Wong? Right again, oh, Edmonton. Richard there's Wong a, is there, an there's amazing. There's a great candidate. But like, oh, sorry, I don't mean to step on your toes, Harmon. But you can't tell me, and I don't speak for any of these candidates. You can't tell me that right now they're not like, oh my gosh, every, every like, day they're dying. Ugh. They're dying because inside. they're good people who are working hard, and now they're associated with this. Well, and I think it, you know there is something to be said about the, the NDP. It's Self, you know, and, and there there does need to be some conversation about they're not they haven't done a particularly good job this campaign, right? Like they they went in with all of this oppo. Everybody knew going into it that it was going to be relentless. You know, early days we had heard that it was going to be something new every day. I don't think I expected it that it was going to be this good, this entertaining. Um, and frankly, I don't understand what the UCP's counter strategy was going into this. Knowing, I mean, everybody yeah, knew. This was like, we all knew this was going to happen. It just happened. Like, I want to, like, where, again, where's the UCP? Why were they not reacting but to this? How? But the NDP's not putting forward a compelling message. You know, giving me a boutique tax credit, you know, as a suburban parent, you know, taking my kids to soccer. Yeah, I like that. You know, I, I Stephen Harper was the master of the boutique tax credit. But what's the compelling narrative that they're putting forward? I don't see a compelling narrative from Rachel Notley. Frankly, like I think they've not done a, a good enough job of selling her as as a leader. I think they've done a great job of attacking Daniel Smith. Um, but conversely, like I'd you know, push, as a, I'd push back. I as a racialized minority, I look at this and they, I say they want they talk about defunding independent schools. That's a place where we're able to actually celebrate our identity. This is something that's really important. You know, you look at Northeast Calgary, this is an area that was hit with you know um, hail and 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 all that and what about like helping people with their insurance premiums what about helping people with insurance coverage down there like that is an easy win for the NDs to go in there and say yeah we will make sure that you know insurance deals with these things better that we'll put in place some some uh, some policies to deal with this issue like that was the number one issue in Northeast Calgary was the hail damage I don't know if you've ever gone there after one of these oh, hail storms it's like yeah. a it's a war zone apocalyptic and yet nobody is touching on those issues that minority communities do care about and people in some of these communities care about what is the NDP doing for a lot of that you know and I think to me that's where you know they had an opportunity to capitalize on this Albertan said no to Daniel Smith in 2012 right you have a decade later how are you not able to to play the same exact maybe because there was another conservative option on the ballot in 2012 Harmon mm -hmm. but I, they've taken that position right they're essentially the center of center right they're basically the PCs of 2012 right I, I mean Rachel Notley kind of took the apprentice plan added in minimum wage added in a bit better uh, more of an environmental plan and carbon tax otherwise it was the apprentice plan that she implemented mm. there's not a lot of difference the benefit she has is nobody in the center and nobody on the far left and better candidates better ground game they they I think the NDP have a strong motivate. Look at the first day of the campaign. We all were talking about there's signs everywhere. That that takes massive volunteer base. Takes strategy. Like their ground game's good. I just don't think we're the audience for the well, UCP. We're not. But I, I don't but know I'm ground game. The NDP, I, agree with I, know. You. I don't think we're the audience, and I don't. I I don't see the UCP standing up against everything that's happening because. Again, you know, Danielle Smith believes the things that she says. So I'm not sure that they think all of the things that are coming out are a problem. I'm sure they think some that of them are. are and I do want to say, Rebecca Schultz. I do love 
and I would help Indeed. her in a hot second. And I think she's amazing. So and there they do are have so many and Mike stars. Ellis. They do have some really great can candidates ministers in the party. I was, you know, and now I'm feeling bad about what I said. Why are you feeling bad about what you said? But but I mean, there's some questions here on. Because you forget about it, and that's the point. You forget about all the good people because you're just horrified by, mm -hmm. you know, the little things that are they're letting happen. Could, and we're just so could you say like if the party was like a a, a cookie batch, Jenny? But then no. there was just like a teaspoon of poop not, in there. There was just a teaspoon of poop. Yes. With, with all these kind of, by the way, I've heard back from my friend, the ardent conservative on my phone in real time. She says, OMG, Jesperson, stop quoting me on your show. I just about spit out my coffee. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I don't know if she likes being quoted. Um, I know you have to take a call. And so I appreciate it uh, real quick. And, and you could peace out if you need to. But I'm just uh, curious to know how all of you are wrapping around. Jenny, you go first. And then you can peace out. Yeah. How are you wrapping around, around the polling discrepancies? Janet Brown. And uh, and Abacus data with David Coletto, they're 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 totally different. Janet Brown's polling, for the most part, was conducted before the the poppy Nazi comments. Yeah. It shows that uh, the UCP had like I know, but like I know, I just <laughs> right? like, how, else, how else do you want me to put everybody? I, the sad thing is, everybody knows what I'm talking yeah, about. I know, I know. And I so think, twelve yeah. point. Okay, go ahead. I, th I think polling we all know is flawed. The only poll that matters is what happens on election day. But I do know that Janet Brown is very well respected and her methodology is different. She goes the extra mile to try and reach those hard to find people who have opinions rather than just not just, but rather than folks who volunteer to take a survey or find the survey or find the poll. Cause you can see that in any kind of polling. So I know that Janet, I think she spends five extra days or five phone yeah. calls trying to find hard to reach people to make sure that she's getting yeah. abroad. So I'd be very interested for someone else to leak another one of her, polls so we could see what's happening now and yeah. next week but she's very well respected and she, i don't think she's politically slanted in one way or the other so. thanks for hanging out with us thanks go take your call me. jenny it's Bye always guys. good to see you that's jenny adams principal at the adams agency harman what do you make of the polling well i think what happened is janet brown being so respected makes every other pollster go what am I missing? And I think they all jump back into, um, you know, kind of getting some data to see. And I think Coletto, when he came back, you know, he showed something more similar to Janet. And I let's see what comes out when they kind of have longer um, and more time and more more responses. Because I think Coletto's re most recent uh, polling was a really small sample size, but it showed something more similar to Janet Brown. And I and that's what makes these pollsters better. Is they look at Janet Brown and say, "What are we missing? Yeah, what what are is we she? Missing? What is she getting?" Is that real? And, and frankly, it looks like um, you know she is ahead of uh, ahead of everyone else right now on this. Um, this is a, a, a closer election. It's gonna go down to the wire on this. Yeah. And today is the day that the narratives get set. This is the final stretch. This is now comes out of this is the compelling. What is the ballot uh, box question that gets established the, when they go toe to toe? Because because it, it it sets itself up so perfectly. It's one v one. Yeah. Right. This is what people want to see. <laughs> they want to see them go, you know, and, and toe to toe, and, toe, -to -toe and argue one on one. Um, nothing is more fair. People see it as being inherently fair, and they watch your conduct. They watch how you say what you say. Um, obviously, you know, we learn from Prentice. You know, don't be condescending. Um, but it really will come down to how they frame what their actual pitch is to Albertans. I think people are looking for a positive message to support. You know, there's been so much mud signaling. People want something to vote for. Yeah. We've got, oh, go ahead, Kale. Well, I'm just saying to the polling. Yeah, Janet Brown, I covered the Stelmac election where she was the only pollster. There was like, no, they're getting a landslide. Like, Stelmac is going to win in a landslide and she was literally the only pollster mm -hmm. that had that right. So what she what she finds is important. She did miss, she was late in the field on those comments. So I wonder, I think any poll coming out of the leadership, uh, out of tonight's debate is really important because again, people are really paying attention. But the trends are clear, very close. That's why GOTV getting out the vote, all the ground games are really important. There's that air war, but there's the ground game right now that is really important. And I'm watching all of the ridings Everyone's watching Calgary. I'm watching the Lethbridges, the Red Deers, the mm. the donut around Edmonton. I think that is where the NDP. I if they're gonna win, they're gonna. That's where the breakthroughs are gonna come, and p potentially Calgary. But I don't think we. Everyone's saying it's all about Calgary. I don't think that's that's true at all. Yeah, and I think when you look at some of the Calgary candidates, you have to remember that a lot, of, like for a lot of those MLAs, UCP MLAs, this is their first re-election bid. Yes, yeah. You know, now they're campaigning on their records. Um, you know, and as much as you know, Daniel Smith 
seems to be what's coming up at the doors for them every single time they're going out there. It definitely feels like they're getting traumatized like we did in 2015. Oh, 2015. Oh right? As much as you want to convince people that hey, while well, you're voting for the person in your riding, ultimately comes down to leadership. Yes, 100%. Um, I want to get into... Oh, and by the way, let's also mention, I think most people know this as well, but there's internal party polling too, which mm-hmm. the parties... Do they care about that a little bit more? Do they put a little bit more into their own team's polling as they do to the the publicly available or front-facing polling, do you think? Um, yes, because they're, they're paying a ton of money for their internal polls, and they bo- both parties have good war chests, so I'm, I would, we know some of the, we know the pollsters on the UC, UC, UCP side, they're, they're good, they know what they're doing, um, so yeah, but, but Janet Brown, again, she is one of those folks that you don't ignore what she's saying, and Coletto's good, like, so there's, the po- they're going to look at everything, but their internals give you real time, like, okay, something's moved the needle or it's, or, or it's brought it back down. So that tonight, tomorrow morning and the day after, they're going to be really watching their internals to see how things played out. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I'd like to take a second to, to just, I mean, our live chat is like smoking right now. It's on fire right now, which I love and I appreciate that. And, and maybe I'll just read some of these comments. Some of them you can jump in on if you want to jump in and comment on one of the, I'm picking them at random. Uh, one of them asks you a very direct question. Oh. I'm going to put it in front of you. Harmon, I know you're not afraid. Of, you're a lawyer. You're not. A, I'm a lawyer. You're not afraid of questions. Um, Michael says this really is honestly scary. Michael says I feel like we're kind of living on another planet in Alberta right now. Um, Hugh says ironically, I think that Rachel Notley is a little bit more like Peter Lougheed in her thinking. To be honest, that's not the first time I've heard that comparison. Um, you know, Alberta girl says there are people that don't understand this province was built by the UFA and, and Socreds until the Lougheed years. We used to be more of a community based society. Uh, but not anymore. Can you imagine trying to start a conservative party with the word social in it these days? I don't know if you ever would. Uh, Glenna says, are there lists of NDP fouls and errors? I don't see it. Talking about obvious errors and fouls in one party doesn't mean there are equal follies in the others, which is an interesting point. Um, Jillian says, uh, yeah, there are great people on both sides. LOL. Okay. It's not like the UCP became like this overnight. Uh, Tara Lynn says, gosh, how foolish Alberta looks nationally or even globally right now. We've looked ridiculous for the last few years. I want to have the pride back on that flag that I used to fly on, the, on my backpack when I was traveling. Alyssa goes, Harmon, what would the NDP have to put forward? I guess in a way she's asking you how you're going to vote. Uh, you can disclose that or not. But Alyssa says, what would the NDP have to put forward to get you to vote for them? Yeah, very. Um, you know, for, for me, I, I look at... Um, and the perspective that I wanted to share and bring forward was was a perspective of, you know, some of our minority communities here in Alberta, especially, you know, from the Sikh community. Like, there are concerns that the community has when it comes to the NDP's platform as it relates to things like independent schools, right? You know, for us, independent schools are a place where we can celebrate our identity in a way that we can't in public schools. There's not the same room or recognition of our histories in public schools. Six have been in Alberta for over a hundred plus years. And yet you don't find that in a, in a, in a, in a history class in a public school in Alberta. Why is that? You know, why did the NDP not take the time when they were in government for four years to actually rectify and make sure that curriculum reflected the diversity of the people that live here? Again, you can say the same thing about the UCP, but that that's something that I care about. You want to talk about curriculum and curriculum was such a huge thing. Who is standing up and actually advocating that it reflects the diversity of people here? And that's one of the things that, that bothers me so much because my kid has to go to school thinking that, you know, that there wasn't a contribution from six in the world wars when yet six fought for Canada in the world wars. Six were there on behalf of the Indian, uh, Indian state in the world wars where we were compelled to fight your fights and your wars. And we gave our lives for, you know, these freedoms in a way because we were the first set of wave of people that were sent out and slaughtered for the freedoms that Canadians enjoy. And yet our story has been written out of history books, out of curriculum. And it is absolutely frustrating that we still have to fight to get recognition for our identity. And that's one of the things that bothers us so much. The NDP has not done a good job on it. The UCP has not done a good job on it. And and we continue to try to get political representation that ensures that we have the diversity of of voices that can be at all the different parties. But where is that in policy? I don't see it in policy. Northeast Calgary has been crying, has been absolutely shocked by 
the neglect when it came to the hail damage. Yeah. We see the response to things, you know, and again, even when it comes to issues like refugees, right? You know, we've seen the response to Ukrainian refugees and yet, and I were, you know, I, I'm the board chair over at the Edmonton Mennonite Center for Newcomers and we're out there making sure that we're supporting Ukrainian refugees. But where was the same policy decisions and instructions when it came to Afghan Sikhs and Hindus who were being persecuted by the Taliban? In Afghanistan, the federal government still is dragging their what feet. What does that have to do with the NDP? Provincial, because the provincial NDP is not taking a stand on it. Okay. Where's the provincial NDP stand on Bill Twenty One? Yeah, no, right? Where's 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 where are they going to stand up and say, you know what, we will not let that happen in our province? Other provincial leaders have taken. So who that are you going to vote municipal for? Leaders, Let's cut to the chase. Yeah, municipal yeah, leaders okay. could stand up for this. This is a lawyer not answering I, the question. I, I'm just telling you how the frustration yeah. comes from. I think we're we all don't see ourselves reflected. Yeah. I frankly do not see myself reflected in either. What What's happening with the NDP or the UCP and that's the frustration you know you see them battling over a lot of nonsensical things but again important social issues you know economy but I, but for so many people in this province, they're left out of the conversation. But it speaks to the lack of media it's easier to do the mudslinging and the simple things and harder to talk about uh, detailed policy, things like that, because it just either doesn't get the traction or it takes too long and people are just like, give me the 15-minute clip. What is the simplest thing I need to know today? And that says a lot about our society. It's not great. Um, and I think reflects why we've had such a really very much, like very just not a great, but, but this I, has been a very, I, I very think boring the point election. that, you know, the, the one comment made, which is like, you know, this is, the UCB didn't turn into this overnight. You know, Jason Kenney, saw it, yeah. you know, we he fomented happen. this anger. He fomented, you know, so much of this, which is why it was so poetic to see him, you know, burned by the same fire he started, right? And yet that fire is out of control today. You know, and, and that's, you know, it's a terrible thing to say why we have these wildfire yeah, issues. Um, but again, th this is something that was fomented by just getting intentionally. Um, and now, like, who are the conservatives who are going to sit in that room and make sure that they are, they're going to ensure that, you know, people's voices are heard? I, I think th I think right now people don't have that confidence. And, and uh, that's why May 29th is really important because we've seen this. And will Albertans go to the polls and say, yep, this is fine? Or will there be a rejection of this? And so that's why this election is super interesting. From a very nonpartisan, old journalist perspective, just watching it and saying, you know, what will happen on May 29th with such a close election? Values are really on the ballot right now. Are, is this what something we're going to accept? Uh, the party needs to denounce it. They need to get ahead of this. If if they don't, we'll see what will happen on May 29th. And like I said, I don't think it will settle anything. It's way too close. Um, and any party that's going to win is by, by a few seats. And that's never a good thing uh, as far as bringing stability and kind of a, a real firm decision. This episode of Real Talk is presented by sponsors like the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. This is the time of year when people start really thinking about blizzards. I mean, if you're like Johnny and me, you're thinking about Dairy Queen treats 365 days a year. Johnny with his double dilly habit and me with the crush and the blizzard in the parking lot Stop habit. Stop putting him in the freezer at seven last week. I know, I'm enabling you. But you know what? I'm not even sorry about it, Johnny. It's actually I want to let you know. <laughs> it's one of the perks of working at Real Talk. Uh, Dairy Queen has its summer blizzard treat menu out with returning favorites and new flavors, and that includes the Caramel Fudge Cheesecake Blizzard Treat. This is one that everybody's talking about. Indulgence and innovation. The intersection that creates a true cheesecake experience with salted caramel truffles, cheesecake pieces, and caramel topping. You can find them at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. You know, we talk about these fires and, uh, man, oh, man, uh, more than 90 of them burning in the province right now. A lot of them are out of control, and, and we keep saying it because we mean it from the bottom of our hearts. Mad respect to those firefighters, and our thoughts are with the people displaced. We're seeing the best of Alberta right now on display, including people taking in families, including livestock and everything else, people that are observing those evacuation orders. The reality is a lot of these families are going to be looking to have their homes rebuilt once those fires are put out and I want to make sure that Complete Care Restoration is on your radar. They've been helping Albertan families recover from fire for 10 years now and counting 
fire damage, flood damage. They do mold and asbestos removal as well. Complete Care Restoration has earned our trust as a business. They built this studio, and I can tell you, you can trust them too. I give them two thumbs up. You can give them a call anytime at 780-454-0776 or check them out online at completecarerestoration.ca. If your backyard could use an overhaul like ours, and this summer's the time to do it, take two seconds today and contact Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping. You can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. They've made a business of bringing outdoor spaces to life. They take your vision. They take your family's top priorities. They look at your budget, and they formulate a plan. And here's the thing. They're a full-service landscape contractor, which means you're not having to hire somebody out to do the excavation. You're not having to make sure that you know a good stonework professional. Mike and his team handle it all from start to finish, and they're great listeners. You can learn how they work on their website. That's landscapeedmonton.ca. Eden Landscaping, a proud partner of Real Talk. And of course, our friends at Local Environmental Services want to remind you that if you're a decision maker in Alberta or Saskatchewan, whether it's a small family business, maybe retail or hospitality, whether it's a big business like West Edmonton Mall, or maybe you're in charge of uh, deciding how operations are going to work for a municipality, why not keep it local with garbage and recycling, landfill services, Fencing, portable toilets, water hauling, vacuum trucks, and more. You can keep it local today. Understand the benefit of partnering with a full-service environmental solutions partner like Local Environmental Services today at localenvironmental.ca. Now, don't forget, coming up on tomorrow's show, Local Environmental presents Trash Talk, your chance to blow off a little steam. Maybe it has something to do with something you heard on the show this week. Send us your emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Thank you to Catherine O'Neill and Harmon Candola for joining us. Jenny Adams as well, who had to run to take a call. We'll be paying close attention to that debate tonight. And of course, we'll recap it all for you tomorrow. It's going to be a great edition of the Real Talk Roundtable featuring... The strategists. That's right. Annalise Klingbeil, Stephen uh, Carter. I almost said Stephen Harper. <laughs> we should get Harper on the show. That'd be a good one. Stephen Carter and Corey Hogan will join us for a roundtable you won't want to miss. We've got you covered right here on Real Talk with Alberta's most real election coverage. Looking into next week, Charles Adler will have one more time to bend your ear before you vote. Plus some great looks, including an Alberta Views columnist on how Rachel Notley's change and how she hasn't. It's all part of Real Talk, and we want to thank you for being a part of it. We'll see you right here again on Friday. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, technical producer John Hicks, general manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.